welcome to the Steam Power Podcast. Chicka 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 chicka. Live from beautiful downtown Southern Berlin, it's time for the Steam Power Podcast, episode number sixty-nine for July fifth, twenty fifteen. Happy belated Fourth of July and happy birthday, mm-hmm. America! Uh, we are a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest and the greatest in science, technology, engineering, art, and math news, as well as the open source and maker movements. Steam power, the power to change the world. I'm Mike. I'm Lisa. It's time to get steamy. <laughs> We're going to stay on schedule this time. Yes. we got a lot of stories. A lot of stories. We just won't discuss anything we won't discuss for too anything long. At all. No. We will place everything just strictly on opinion and not fact. <laughs> like my peg leg imperial stout. Yes, is that gonna uh that's gonna affect help my, your podcast? That is gonna affect my performance. I'm was, glad you're finally drinking it because it's been in the refrigerator for what, two or three weeks now? Yeah. It has. Yeah. Well it just goes to proof that at least I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> There's something there. All right, so um happy fourth of July. Thank you. That's to you. Well, oh. I don't know. Was that to me? Or was that to America? The viewing America. audience or whatever. Americans. <laughs> um, what yeah. if somebody's not in America listening to this though? You can I think everyone who watches this enjoys independence, freedom, and liberty. Right? Yes. So there you go. So they just know. might not be celebrating our independence as a Every, country. Right. Just celebrate your own independence. <laughs> it's independence day. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. So last weekend we did Gears of Resistance. It was Ham Fet, was Ham Field Day. Mm-hmm. That was good. I talked about that last week in Gears of Resistance. Mm-hmm. I got then uh, the week before you did the podcast without me because I was down on the shore. Sorry, <laughs> that's it was, okay. It was a crappy episode. It was horrible. It probably wasn't that it was bad. Horrible. It was terrible. And now you're back. Yep. And next weekend's going to suck because we're supposed to be going away. And then the yes. week after that sucks when we come back. Well, then we got the open house at the Makerspace. Oh, when is that? Sunday, July something or other. Two, two Sundays from now? Yeah. 19th. The 19th? Yep. Okay, yeah, that that would be when we would be coming back. scheduled to do the podcast. Yeah, well, we're coming back that Friday. Yeah. This is just life is it's so it's complicated. We can always do the podcast on Saturday. It's very complicated. And you can do Gears of Resistance the Saturday before we leave. I'm just gonna drink another stout. Not think about it. Alright, well I got nothing else to say this this week. I don't either. I don't have any uh we don't have any products or anything no, like that. No. Your one thing hasn't came yet. The, the uh the X carve is uh doesn't look like it's going to be coming for some couple imports weeks. of key components from China. They get stuck in customs, so <laughs> hopefully they weren't trying to like that smuggle sucks. drugs or something in the not. country with it. That, that would bad. be bad. That would, be, that would not make my ex car happy. <laughs> no. All right. Well, then, how about we just go ahead and get into the stories? Then? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's, let's just do that. Since we have yeah. a lot today, anyway, we got a lot of stories. And I'm going to share the screen now. All right. First story. Uh, Apple Music launched, in case you didn't know. Um, well, I, everybody what, probably noticed the new rainbow-looking 
music icon on their iPhone if they have if they one. they have one, right. And it, um, it's coming to Android. It'll be the first Android app Apple ever released. Apple Music is coming to Android? Yes, Apple Music is coming to really? Android. Yep. It's the first hmm. app ever. That's written. interesting. And apparently not the, uh, there's also going to be another app that comes out to help people that are on Android transition to iPhone. <laughs> so there's actually going to be two I, uh, uh, Apple apps on Android. Hmm. It's the be- it's you know if the I beginning was, of a takeover. If, if I was if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would say this is the beginning of the end. This is, <laughs> this, is end t- this is end times right here. So I'm going to start stocking up my, my beans huh? and bullets. <laughs> but I guess the thing that was interesting that you kept bringing up was the issue. The app there's a not necessarily a 24 seven. There is radio stations. They're not necessarily DJed apparently 24 seven. It's like three or four hours each day or three or four hours in like L.A., New York, London. Um, and then there's some like uh, – they have some special DJs come in, like music celebrities. But what was your thought on the idea of having kind of – this is like coming like old is new and new is old again. Honestly? Yeah. I Are think having listen? a DJ is unnecessary. You don't like the idea of the DJ? No. Honestly, I don't. You just went unbridled. If I wanted to listen to talk radio, I would have a subscription to Sirius or something. It's not talk radio. I mean, it's not these. But but it is. To me, there's no. If I just want to listen to music, I don't want to listen to somebody talking. But don't you think it's the beginning of like a a global consciousness where we have one music station for the whole world? Isn't that going to be beautiful? But we don't. Why do you need somebody to talk? Because you need... Why can't a, you just play master, music? It's like a master of ceremonies, right? You need a master. You need someone who's like a celebrity that can... I think... You know what? If I if it was cool. limited to somebody just announcing the songs before they came on or something like that, I wouldn't have an issue with it. But I don't know. I kind of have a problem with somebody pushing an agenda over the radio like Whoa, that. Whoa, who said anything about an agenda? <laughs> It just, it, uh, when I want to listen to music, I was a fan of the old iRadio thing, whatever they had. And I don't want to listen to somebody yakking on there when I just want to hear music. Okay. If I wanted to listen to somebody talking, I would listen to a talk radio station or a podcast or something like that. Let me ask you this then, though. Do you think, though, that like the article? This article claims that it's the, the so basically we've got, we've gone from everyone goes buys cassettes and CDs to everyone then transition to like you buy digital music, you buy i you buy it from mm-hmm. iTunes. This article says that now you're instead of buying your music, you're paying like fourteen dollars or nine dollars a month to have unlimited streaming of. So you don't necessarily own the music. Do you think, do you think, are you going to stop? Do you have, uh, here's the question. Have you bought music lately? Or do you use like the Spotify's, the uh, Pandora's of the world for free? Um, I have bought a few things lately, mostly because of Haley. Not anything for me personally. Right. But I would much rather listen to the music streaming so you, for free or for $9 a month or whatever the cost may be, I would rather hear it streaming and not have to buy it because I get tired of it. Right. So you like 
the I like like the, the top fifty right. songs streaming for me, and that being something that changes. Right. So you, like, I don't want to necessarily have to buy the music. You from so you like part of the you like the part of the radio of that the music is like traditional. When I say radio, like traditional broadcast radio. You like the fact that it's free. You like the fact that it changes, and that you like someone else just makes it happen for you. Yes, and the old Apple radio. They had where they played every four or five songs. They had a little 30 second ad in between. And you're every, cool with that. And I was fine with that because, it, okay, I'm listening to it for free. I know they've got to recoup their costs somewhere. So they're going to throw this little ad in there every four or five songs. That's fine. But I don't want to listen to somebody talking for three or four minutes in between every three or four songs. Gotcha. And the radio station that we were listening to when we first, was it Beats One or whatever Beats it one. was? I guess the main one. Yep. that's. The I wasn't necessarily a fan of the guy using curse words while he was DJing. Because to me, I think, I know that Apple's going after maybe the teenagers and the early 20-something and things like that, but I think they have to give an alternative to that, maybe that's more family family friendly. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Although I know, you know, the Apple iRadio before they don't bleep out the customers in any of the songs. Right. So it's just, it is what it is. It's just, there's just something different about there being a curse word in the music and somebody DJing and saying, it just is. It, because it's like somebody live on the air talking right? or versus it, something in music that you know is coming up and you can, you know, the, your child knows it's coming up and they just say beep or whatever yeah. when it plays. That's kind of what Haley does. Whenever there's a curse word in a song, she goes beep while <laughs> she's watch singing it. Good child. You know, like, what the beep, the beep. <laughs> yeah, so... All right. You can't do that when you're listening to somebody talking. There you can't. Apple Music. There you go. Next story from The Guardian. Welcome to June. Yoon. June. Jun. How would it's you pronounce prob- that? Uh, Yoon. Because Yoon. they say their their J's like a Y, right? I never took Spanish. I yeah. Anyway, welcome to Yoon, the town that ditched bureaucracy to run on Twitter. Residents of the Spanish town use Twitter for everything, from reporting crimes to booking doctor's appointments. Is this the future of local government? I think this is awesome. So what do you – you're the one that found the story. Tell me about it. Um, Basically, what they're doing is they're trying – well, their main push at first was to get all of the local officials from the town hall mayor to, you know – pretty high up officials all the way down to the street sweeper, getting them on Twitter so that the residents of the town could evaluate their jobs and how well they were doing and give them praise and, or, you know, something needed to be done. They could say, Hey, there's this, this, you know, thing that needs changing or sure. the street lights out or, you know, Hey, I saw street sweeper today. He was doing a fantastic job. And they say, actually the workers love it because they love getting the positive feedback and even the negative feedback because it helps them do their job better. Right. So they really enjoy that real time interaction with the town's residents. 
Now I think the push is to get more of the residents on Twitter so that they can actually conduct more business. Right. Use it as a town hall. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think it's cool. I think it's an awesome idea, and I wish that they would do that around here. Well, yeah, because I mean, it, 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 um, I'm assuming people are using like and their it, real names, or well, yeah, they're. I mean, you don't have to use your real name. I guess you could, but you don't have to. And they were also running a class. The town had a class for everybody to come and learn Twitter. And the lady in there mentioned there was a 90 year old guy in there learning it. So, you know, she said everybody can learn. I think this lady was in her 60s, and she said, I never thought I would be learning how to use Twitter, but here I am. And, you know, it's, I mean, I think it's really uh, a great idea. So do you think this is going to help? So, you know, there's a lot of, everyone, there's a lot of political theories, you know, like technically the United States, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. We're a representative democracy Mm -hmm. where we elect officials who then act on our behalf because back in the 17, 1800s, it was very hard to get people from all across the the country to, I mean, just get to the political, just get to the members of the the continental Congress to come to Philadelphia or wherever, you know, it took weeks, if not months to travel. So, you know, representative democracy made sense because you can't bring the farmer from his land out to vote on an issue. So here's my, my point. Long point is a lot of people theorize what's it going to take to actually to come to a true democracy where there is no longer elected officials. People just simply, well, I mean, there would be officials. There would be, but not, you wouldn't necessarily have to have as many. You would, a lot of things would happen by direct vote of the, of the public. Now there's other issues aside, of course, with, you know, but I'm from a technology perspective, it kind of enables the idea of having direct vote. Yes. People and can influence and decide issues themselves versus through elected officials. I think a lot of towns or a lot of counties or even states or whatever, they have forums online where people go and, you know, maybe they vent a little more, but this is more... I think this is set up for not just negative things like, oh, the street lights out or this guy's not doing. It's more for people to just give quick positive shout outs to people that they think are doing a great job. And I think that could really boost morale of workers. I mean, you want to do a great job when you're getting feedback from people that you're already doing a good job. It makes you want to continue to do a good job because people are noticing your work. Yoon's street street sweeper says he's had a new lease of life through the scheme. He is street sweeping Twitter persona at Baradora Yoon has become his town celebrity. Yes. I mean, (laughs) but just think here's this, you know, probably older guy who has been doing this, you know, maybe uh, for quite a bit of his life, just sort of day in, day out, this mundane thing. And now he's somebody who is recognized and who's getting all this positive feedback. And, you know, it it takes a a menial job and elevates it to something people can be proud of doing. And I think that whatever you're doing – whether it's a fry cook at McDonald's or an engineer, whatever the case may be, right. you should take your job and do it well. Let's see here. And this sort of gives, you know, more credence to that, that when people, you know, what if you rode through McDonald's and 
quick tweet it out a quick, you know, my fries were awesome. Thanks guys. You know, do you think that would give a little boost of morale to the McDonald's or it probably would, you know, it, you, it makes people proud of things when sure. they're recognized. It's also says here that, uh, the city was able to cut its police down from four officers to one officer based on having using Twitter to help better uh, put the police forces where needed, when needed. Yes. So they didn't have to have as many to police. They could just focus on areas. So that's cool. Uh, Yeah. I think it's an awesome idea. And I I think Twitter is a platform for democracy. Mm. I mean, even if not for democracy, just, you know, like in the case of boosting worker morale and things like that, I think that would be such a great thing for, you know, workplaces or town government or, you know, maybe in smaller towns especially. Sure. You know, I'm thinking of little towns on the eastern shore and stuff like that. I think something like this, they could really take it and run. Well, how we leave that with this last word? Take it, Southern Maryland and Eastern Shore. <laughs> yes, Get take it and run. On Twitter. All right, next story, talking about civil and urban and development and solutions and technology. Uh, Google launches a a company called Sidewalk Labs, and um, it's basically a business that is trying to um, figure out how government and businesses can use technology along with residents to improve city life. So the idea is, you know, how can you use technology to make densely populated? So this is kind of like the opposite where more rural places could kind of run by just something as simple as Twitter, perhaps large metropolitan areas, something as complicated as like New York city with all its infrastructure. Um, Google thinks there's a potentially a chance for technology to come in and they're launching this company to help figure out what kind of technologies that would be. Okay. Obviously, computer technology, internet kind of thing. Smart city solutions. Uh, they tapped a uh, former um, person that was working in the um, New York City's mayor's office under um, Michael Bloomberg to be their CEO, a gentleman named Dan Dakaroff. He's their CEO. He was the, the economic development and rebuilding uh, deputy mayor. Um, so cool. So they talk about it's, uh, so their main... everything from cost of living, efficient transportation and energy usage. So basically the idea is how do you use technology to help make people decision makers and citizens and to have the data to make better decisions? Like, so for instance, it, you know, tra- I would imagine like bus routes and trains, train, um, stations, mm-hmm. you know, if you put on sensors and GPS onto trains and buses and whatever, you can more accurately predict when buses are going to be somewhere, or you can also help monitor traffic flows. And therefore you can make better decisions on how to do redo streets. Um, you know, when you're doing street work, how could I re, how could I redo the streets so that I have more efficient flow of traffic? Therefore everyone's happier and better and, you know, spending less money, spending less time in traffic. Okay. So that's what this company is hoping to perhaps capitalize on. I think that technology is neat. It's just a little over my head in terms of um, what they hope to accomplish, I think. I think the point is that no one really – 
it's like one of those things where right now it's like South I just Park. can't conceptualize it for some it's reason. It's like South Park. Collect socks. Step two. Step three, profit, right? <laughs> we know there's problems with running businesses and governments and large municipalities. We know technology usually helps people solve problems better. The problem is we don't know how to apply technology specifically to make it. Yes, that's that's and what that's I'm what, trying to say. That's that's the part that's over my head in terms of right. how do you take that technology and apply it to get better solutions out of it. Well, the article doesn't talk about the this thing that we'll, we're going to love to talk about here more. But I am not an engineer. Internet so. of Things. Yes, that's one of our other. Um, sidewalk labs. So anyway, it's cool. It seems like a cool place to work. Especially for people that have technology and you know civil structure. So it's sort of an urban Internet of Things. Yeah. You know. Okay. That's, that's right up my alley. It's something I maybe I would yeah. be interested in. So uh, if you're if you're more interested, uh, I'm sure they have a website somewhere in here. But it's uh, well, you could sidewalk, probably just Google yeah, Sidewalk Labs. So it's Google. So of course they'll have their own website. Yes. Next story. Start our Internet of Things. MIT Technology Review brings us. Uh, there's a. It's a light Astro? bulb that has a speaker, built-in speaker. A yes. company called Astro, Astro has initiated pre-sales for a device it calls Twist, which is an LED light bulb with a built-in wireless speaker that uses Apple's AirPlay technology to stream music from iPhones, Macs, and iPads over Wi-Fi. And what they're banking on is that people who live in apartments or rented buildings or things like that are not going to want to put money into a ah. system that plays the music with speakers and stuff like that throughout their house since because they don't own. House. Yes. So instead they can go through the light bulb to do that. Interesting. I didn't think of that. Yes. That's a cool idea. So that's, it's, it's sort of that whole internet of things mentality is which how can one thing help us with another thing and light bulbs are a little pricey a little pricey so, this area, so the yeah. starter pack contains two normal led bulbs one of the speaker bulbs and a handheld dimmer switch will run you four hundred dollars yes it, it's been reduced to 249 for two months to help encourage people to sign up um Interesting. I think that, um, well, even for even for people that don't live in apartments, I mean, you know, yeah, some I, people don't want to really make customizations to sure. their house like that because then when you come, if you're planning on selling it or something like that, it's not right an easy selling point. My only thing is that technology like this though is very um, fickle. <laughs> it's fickle and it's very easily um, copied. Yes. Because I can't imagine there's anything really in here that you can really patent that much. No. So, I mean, that's not to say Wi-Fi that IKEA Wi-Fi. may come out with some knockoff right. speaker light bulbs that are 50 bucks a piece that run these guys into the ground. Sure. But isn't that just how it goes, you know? Yeah, it's kind of stinks for these people who are trying to get it started up, but you know, I guess they know that, and that's why they're trying to get their product out there. And 
and a see the only and it's, the brightness and dimness of the lights is controlled by you using low bl- low energy Bluetooth and a proprietary protocol. And that right there, yes. But but isn't that the issue with the Internet of Things? Exactly. Is that it's so proprietary. Is what kills it. Yes, that people have trouble because then you have to get this product that can only work with this product and then this one only works with this one and right. then you really limit yourself and what you can use. Right, like this guy here says we're using AirPlay, which means if you're not an Android user, or if you're, or an, if Android you're an Android user, user yeah. you're S-O-L. Yeah. Um, which is my problem with proprietary stuff. However, I think, you know, I think honestly they're thinking more of an overseas market where I think a majority of like, especially city dwellers are probably iPhone users. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think I've seen stats on that where overseas, especially in Europe, the, the uh, percentage of iPhone users that live in cities is pretty high. Well, it's interesting. I'm I, sure I, they looked into that before they, well, right now there's just an explosion of pent up, you know, we've, we've had so many years here in this of quote unquote the Great Recession where money got held up. Now I think you're starting to start to see this explosion of um, people investing the money they saved all this time into you know startups again. Um, but it's cool. I think that if they want to be successful, though, they've got to break. They can't be proprietary, uh, and they've got to open it up to other platforms, though. Yeah, maybe that's their long term. Maybe that'll plan. come though. You know, but uh, cool. That is an interesting idea, though. Put it right in the in the because uh, you're right. Everyone has to have light bulbs. Yeah, and it is a standard socket. So, <laughs> give them one thing there. Give them one. All right, next story. So, back in December of thir- 2013, uh, there was a 60 Minutes here in the U.S. show that showed Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Uh, he took people, the, the film crew behind his secret doors and showed them the, the drone for delivery. Um, I think we did a story on yes, this Yes, we one did. Time. And everyone was like, ah, it's never going to happen. There are these <laughs> rules. Uh, well, flash forward to now we're at, this is Wasn't some of later. the problem like the uh, like federal airspace right. and things like and that? And so the story, the Especially point of this story is. Especially where we live, that might be an uh, issue. Well, no, so here's the story. So the FAA has said that they are within a year of having a plan in place that will allow for the commercial use of drones in public uh, airspace. Okay. So this, so basically this what time about next restricted summer, airspace, this time next summer, no, it would it can't operate and restrict it. Okay. Now let um, me ask you how that works where we live. We have public corridors in our airspace, but there are also, There's a lot but of how about people who live on the base? I know the people in the base are not going to get. Yeah, they're not going to be able to use Amazon Prime Um, here. No, that would be restricted. That's yes. restricted airspace. Well, yes. <laughs> no, so yeah, I mean, this is not well, just like everything else with Amazon. I mean, there's there's you know one hour delivery if you live in New York City and San Francisco. Wow. Um, that you don't get. So I mean, the point is you don't get everything just because yeah you make a choice to where to live and if you really are so dis- if you just need to have one hour delivery that bad that you then have to decide to move to San Francisco or New York if you can afford it. But anyway, so the point of the One story One day for three ninety nine is not bad. <laughs> um, yeah, is that? Um, so when will we see the drones bringing our well, packages? So 
the story goes on to say that Amazon is working hand-in-hand with uh, all the regulatory agencies involved and hopes to be able to launch as soon after the FAA puts its rules in place. So basically, it could be as soon as one year away you may have drone deliveries um, from Amazon. So is somebody going to be flying these things? Like, how is that going to work? Are they going to have, like, a GPS to your house or something? And then where are they going to drop the package? Just because they know where your house is, how are they going to know where your porch is or whatever? Right. This, this is all – I would add this into the dot, dot, dot category of – Okay. How would – I don't – there's not many ways to figure it out. I mean, what if out? it drops it on your roof or something? <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's no use to me. <laughs> I bet you there will be a Twitter feed in the year of all people that have – of like, you know, hashtag uh, messed up delivery or yeah. hashtag <laughs> – Hashtag drone Amazon fail. Air drone fail, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, but the point is, you've, you know, there, I'm, I'm hoping that, and what I think is happening, you know, yes, Amazon is trying to pilot this, but they're eventually going to help make this more prevalent for other companies that are not just Amazon. Um, think things like, um, defibrillators. We did a story a while ago about, you know, the idea of being able to have, if you're having cardiac arrest, you know, CPR is great and all. But a defibrillator like increases your odds of survival, you know, many orders of magnitude, mm-hmm. right? But the problem is, we none of us have defibrillators at our house. Well, the idea is, as soon as you dial nine one one, while it, you know, depending on where you live, it still may take a few minutes, if not for for an ambulance to arrive. Whereas a drone can fly over traffic, get to you, deliver, um, drop off a defibrillator, hmm. and add, you know minutes to that survival you know, the start the sooner you start um so you're saying the drone more. would get to your house before the ambulance yes well think about traffic i mean you've got to traverse yes roads. but where's the drone flying from i would assume, this is assuming that every city has a little right. drone hub or something like that the, so i'm thinking like where we live america man I would say that wouldn't our happen. Fire or, our, well, our Hollywood Fire Department would have a drone army, which could launch <laughs> defibrillators and then other things. I mean, it could be like, I mean, you're right. Everyone's got to make a trade off because yes, where we live, things could get here fast enough by. And I'm thinking money wise, I cannot imagine all these little small town fire departments having to have drones right. to carry this and that's stuff out. I, I mean, this that's where, expensive. But right. This is where I see this public-private thing coming into play, right? Where, yeah, the, the city wouldn't own it. You would work with a company that would run it locally because then that company could do other things with the drones during the day. Like, if okay, to make, to make this work, I need a drone. I need an army of 50 drones. And is your insurance going to pay for it? This is all you're, you're asking good <laughs> questions. I'm not saying they're not good questions. I'm just yeah, saying, sure. They dropped the defibrillator off. Then I have to decide whether I want to pay a thousand dollars to use it on you or not. <laughs> anyway, potentially one year away, you'll be getting Amazon drone deliveries. And then from there, who knows what else? Next story. Next story. Educators advocates see increased importance in U S STEM education. This is like the. This is kind of like <laughs> wow. Yes, thanks for Except, reporting. Um, no crap. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of what the story is saying is that we're not doing a very good job in incorporating STEM education. 
I think that's sort of what right. the underlying current of the story is. And I agree that, that we are not doing a very good job, especially with Common Core, we're saying, incorporating we're the STEM into the education. Together. Or we're, we, we, know, we know what we want to do, we just don't know how to do it. Yes, right? exactly. God forbid if they try to make STEM education, which, by the way, should be STEAM education. Yes, and that's um, that's another issue is that people in arts and humanities subjects are saying, well, all this focus on STEM education is taking it away from the arts and humanities, well, I think it should be able to incorporate everything. I we, well, obviously we're the we're you know the if you podcast, yes if, podcast, if you work so I mean that honestly I think the best way they could incorporate more STEM education is to do more occupational training at an elementary school level. Because what, define what is occupational by training. occupational training. I mean educating the students on some really diverse and interesting job paths that they could go down if they like, you know, certain things like, for example, so many kids in gaming, right? Why not educate them in a computer programming type of a, you know, just, it doesn't even have to be a long lesson, just some lessons on, okay, this is what a computer programmer does. You know, they write games, right. they do this, they do that. If kids knew that's what a computer programmer does at an early age, how many kids would grow up saying, hey, I want to be a computer programmer and then look into it more as they get older? Sure. I, agree. I think we need to attack the younger kids. Attack them. Yes, yes, get them small get them focused children. on occupations within the STEAM education umbrella for the kids who really enjoy that kind of stuff. You know, people who, you know, what about young girls that are interested in sewing and things like that? Teach them about wearable electronics. Right. You know, teach teach these kids about or, you know, teach more about architect kind of thing. Just you know, give them ideas of, hey, if you like this, you could be this when you grow up. Because kids don't know. Right. That's the that, biggest thing. I mean, we have a child going into fifth grade next year who, if you asked her right now what she wanted to be, she'd say, I don't know. But part of the problem is she doesn't really know what different occupations there are out there. And that's why I go back to that, the idea of preventing the professional priesthoods, that we've made things... We try to make things so sterile because we want to protect the, I don't know what, the the sanctity of my job as an engineer. It should be some holier than thou. But it should be the complete opposite. It should be this, everyone, just like the movie Ratatouille. Everybody can cook. Everybody can do Yes. Um, so that's what I mean. If we get these kids at a young age focused on, Hey, if I really like doing this, then this is the kind of job I might want to pursue as I get older. Then as they get older, they can say, okay, so, you know, I really like building with tools. So maybe I want to be an engineer. As they get older, they can learn more of the math and the science or whatever goes into the type of engineering that they want. Or, you know, kids could learn more about technology, computer programming, you know, instead we focus too much on cramming math down their throats and, 
you know, all this stuff. And that just makes the kids who aren't inherently good at it dislike it. Right. And that's not the way to go because we agree. should be showing them that, hey, you know, like while this is important skill, it doesn't have to be the only right. skill. You know, it's just a tool. We can we need to give them a broader picture of what they can do with their life by bringing in some different STEAM occupational Diversity education. Of background. Yes, exactly. All right. So we'll agree with that one. I can't disagree with what you're saying there. Next story. Thank then. you. Should placebos be used oh, this is an interesting to treat one to me. patients? So, what's your take on that? And well, I mean, well, a placebo. Let's get a right. placebo is basically a non-working right. Thing, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a pretend pill. Like, yes. Hey, we're going to give you this medicine to make the, a sugar to pill. Your ailment, right? <laughs> Reality is, it's just right. It used to be just a sugar pill. So here's my thing. Here's what for. Here's correct me if I'm wrong. Now I don't think they should use this for people who are extremely ill. Right. You know, their illnesses like cancer, things like that. No, this is an absolute no, 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 no. But for things that are like my toe fungal is really killing me. I man, I hate toe fungus. Yeah. So you know, doctors see so many patients on a daily basis with varying degrees of complaints. Say they have somebody coming in saying, oh, my gosh, these headaches. You know, I've taken Tylenol. I've taken Advil. I've taken Excedrin. And I've, you know, nothing works and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I hate to say it. There are some people who are just looking for an answer that isn't there sometimes. Well, that's, I think, part of the problem that the United States is the only country in the civilized and developed world where we're allowed to advertise medicine directly yes. to the public. So you can go in and Other say, Hey, I saw this that. on TV right. and it's used to treat this. So I want and it. yeah, exactly. So I want this particular medication. Because that's because that's then you asinine. reverse engineer your, 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 uh, you come up. I think that's just asinine. Right. Honestly. So, so here, that's, correct me if I'm wrong. Placebos, Though they have no medicinal value, like they don't actually cure the. They have no medicinal value. The issues there is evidence. However, there could be psychological. Yes, people report that they are feeling that there have been numerous studies where people have been treated with placebos. And the rate of improvement among those treated with placebos in some studies has rivaled the rate of improvement with people treated with actual medicine. Right. So my, my, my kind of thing is I go back to what you just said originally is that for things where, okay, yeah, we diagnosed you've really got bad disease. Then that case is, I mean, well, even that, I mean, okay, so what if there's just nothing I can cure you with? And I've given you I think there's always live. something. Yeah, but you got to make somebody come. I mean, if they only have six months to live, you know, you have to, I don't know. That's a different kind of situation. I don't think they can use this for any sort of very serious illness. But there are numerous people who go into doctor's offices day in and day out with non-life-threatening illnesses who think they have some sort of illness and all they want is some sort of affirmation from the doctor like, hey, you have X, Y, or Z, I'm so special. I'm going to put you on this particular right. prescription. I think, you know, Which, we 
I, I think is, I think you're right. But I think part of the solution needs to be though, that we have to stop advertising medicine. Strictly. Yes, I, I completely agree. But I think that we, as a nation, we over medicate people, sure. unfortunately. And I think that, you know, up to the doctor's discretion, I think there could be things that placebos are used for, you know, particularly with very mild complaints of things of patients who they have seen on a almost daily basis sure. that they know are just coming in to complain and they know it's the not very serious, you know, what if you give them a sugar pill and they think they've got some sort of medicine and Oh my gosh, all of a sudden it starts working for them. I will just end it with this, that, Neither Lisa and I are medical professionals, and that you should no. seek out <laughs> professional medical and, help. And you know, I'm torn on whether this—I'm torn this on whether this is actually. Yeah, I—I I think that they would still have to do a lot of trials of this and a lot of I studies. To answer the question of, of this article poses is: Should they be incorporated? It's an ethical question. It's I an think. ethical issue. Yes. It's an ethical question. And uh, I'm not sure that doctors would ever be place, willing. In my opinion. I don't know that doctors would ever be willing to put themselves in a place where they decide who gets a placebo and who doesn't, because that might be unethical to them. Sure. Let's leave However, I do think there are people who, instead of using medication, could use placebos and be just as happy. Well, I guess isn't that kind of the argument of this article is that can't we make a placebo be like the equivalent of a medication and just you prescribe this placebo, but I guess the value is not there because if people know it's a placebo, then the, the – Yeah, you can't tell somebody it's a placebo. That's the whole right. gig behind – yeah, the gig is up then. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll leave I mean if the they know it's not medication, they're going to complain and, oh, this doesn't work and – if they actually think it's some sort of medication, the chances of it possibly working go way up. All right. I'll leave it with that. Yeah. Ford gets serious about self-driving and 3D printing technology. Yay, Ford. So for those who don't know, a few months ago, Ford opened a research and innovation center out in Palo Alto, California, which is home to you know many great big Silicon Valley companies like Google and Apple and all that region. <laughs> so... Um, Basically, the you know the Detroit is coming to the West Coast. That people have realized that, especially for younger folks, uh, the thirty and under crowd, that technology is going to play a very heavy decision in their automotive buying preferences in the future, um, and therefore they want to be ahead of that game. Um, and so they are looking, and not just that, but there is you know <coughs> certainly um, value. Uh, from insurance perspective, if you know, if we can get this country and the world off of, you know, because let's face it, at the end of the day, the research has shown that the cause of most accidents is human failure to do whatever, either follow the rules of the road, who may make poor decisions. Whereas, I'm not saying that you know, robotic or artificial intelligence or whatever you know kind of technology in cars would be perfect. Um, You're losing me a little bit. You certainly take out. Well, I'm saying <laughs> the point is you take out the road rage factor, right? Okay. Which accounts for a lot of accidents. People being jerks on the road accounts for a lot of the accidents. Yes. You take out that human element. Sure, there's always going to be that one thing you didn't think of in the programming, but 
Um, so anyway, Ford wants to be a part of that. Ford, and, and not just Ford. I mean, every, all the both overseas and U.S. car manufacturers, which I think is amazing because it's like you know, for a while there's like, well, is everyone going to really want this? Um, it seems like no. Everyone agrees that automotive three self-driving cars really is going to be something that will happen. Um, the other part of it is the 3d printing is that right now they're doing a lot of stuff with 3d printing with mock-ups for prototypes, but just like the jet airline industry and or airline industry, more and more you're actually seeing 3d printed objects actually going into the final assembly into the real things they actually sell to consumers. Um, so what do okay. you So here's the question. Are you, in, in, say, 10 years when this technology is, um, you know, let's assume it's 10 years away, um, would you buy a car that you would not, a self-driving car? Would you, would you trust? Well, what's the price point? Okay, let's assume it's 20 years from now and it's <laughs> now standard. I was going to say, you know, because uh, if it's, if it's going to be twice what I would pay for right. a uh you guess, know, that's a, that's car that point. I drive, then no, like I wouldn't buy right. one. So let's 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 go into the future a little bit further. Let's yeah, the let's same assume, with the Tesla. Right. You know, it's like oh hey, I'd love to have one, but right. So let's assume it's ten to twenty, maybe thirty years into the future. Electric vehicles, self-driving cars, three D printed material. That has, are you saying assuming all norm. things are equal? Well, assume that that would become, I buy right, one? Assume that has become the norm. Would you would you be be comfortable? You know, I don't know. I don't know because as a human, I'm not sure if I can give up that element of control behind the wheel of something that could potentially when kill you, me. When you fly, you do? Yes, but I'm not um, I'm not a uh, pilot. So Yeah, but when you fly, the pilot is only in control for maybe three or four minutes of the entire flight. And even at that, they don't have to be. I would have to see numerous studies done that the driverless car is safer than one with a person behind the wheel. Okay. And even then, I don't know if I would believe it would be safer than having myself behind the wheel. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, it's safer than having a human behind the wheel. But it's another thing to convince yourself that you're the average statistic when it comes to something like that and that you're not a better driver than what they're using as their t- statistic. Okay. So I just don't know. I personally can't freaking wait. I am so tired. Of- yeah, I can totally see you doing that. I am so tired. I would love to just hop in the car in the morning with my coffee, my razor blades, my laptop, and just say, drive me to work, and I can sit there and get work done, take my shave. I would still be worried about other people. That's the thing. Well, I mean, that's going to be right. That's going to be the part. Will be, I mean, that's, going to be that's the only, period, right? you know, it's not that I would worry about the car actually driving itself. That part I wouldn't worry about. I would worry about everybody else who's on the road, and do I have the control to take over the car in the threat of an imminent accident. But that's the thing. It's like what they would argue is that you perceive it to be imminent, but we, the electronic robots, your overlords know that it's not an accident. And by your human interaction, you will actually have created the accident. Whereas See, I see that. Yeah. That part. I'm not sure about that. So, I, mean, I just don't thing, know, like, you know, with the air, I mean, like I said, 
Pilots but if you see somebody running a red anymore. light, if you see somebody running a red light, right, and you know that you need to put the brakes on instead of go through that green light that you have when well, somebody's running the red light. That's part of what they're building. I mean, that's why they're building these these lidar systems, the radar, like the equivalent of radar. Um, so that you're right. There's there's the I can just you know are they going to see the car out of that I can see out of the corner of my eye? Is that is it going to detect that car or is it going to have to wait till that car gets in front of it no. to detect it? Because by then it would be too late and no. you would already have crashed. That's what they're arguing. Is that no? Because like the lidar would be a three full three hundred sixty degree. I could sit there and, and count, and I can not only that I can measure the, how fast it's going and see which direction it's heading. But yes, that it could just as easily. As I just think it's going to be matter. a long time. Like I'm not so sure we're going to see this technology at a reasonable price. But let me ask you this though: look at for quite a let's while. Look at some of our, you know, we're mid 30s. Look, let's look at some of the people that are a generation behind us who don't drive cars or don't yes. really care about driving cars. Or wait. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know that just their kids are like 20, 21 years old and still don't have a driver's license. And yeah, you know, so my, my thinking is, is this something like so many technology questions that gets answered with, it's a generational shift in that they want but technology, they like digital Maybe. electronics. Therefore, I would ha- I would just have to see a lot of you're studies. Just an old funny daddy. I would have to see a lot of studies on the safety aspect of it. All right. Before I made a decision, I can't wait. I want it. And uh, kudos. Also, the other three D printing thing. Let me just point out there: they're working with a company called Carbon Three D, which is using a three D printing that's not like what I have on my here. Not a three D printer like this. Mm-hmm. It's the one that uses that a pool of resin, and it like really quickly, you know, it prints very fast. And it's kind of like remember that the Terminator movie where he kind of comes out of the goo and he's formed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the kind of three D printing that they're using. Okay, they're using this resin bath that they shoot light at it, and it helps form this yes. really fast. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. That's pretty cool, too. Anyway. Next story. Minecraft. The Minecon. Minecraft celebrities draw record crowd to gaming. Uh, so London, July 4th and 5th. Oh, well, we were celebrating our freedom yes, from there. Minecon from this then. weekend. Minecon. Minecon. That sounds like a too close. Apparently they've that. made, like, they've yeah. set records of... The amount of like money they ten thousand tickets for... were sold to the largest ever such event for a single video game. Yeah, uh, the tickets went for as much as two hundred dollars mm-hmm. a piece, which is probably more than even. But you know why? Because to NFL these kids, football. this is like going to a rock concert, right? And they're getting to meet these YouTube celebrities uh, that they watch day in and day out playing Minecraft. Dan Middleton, known as Dan TDM, who is I couldn't tell you who that is, but I bet you Haley could. Yeah, has over six point eight million uh, followers on. That's YouTube. just unreal. He was signing pictures, autographs, and taking pictures. It was All he insane. does is play Minecraft, he plays Minecraft, and he has six point eight million followers. It's it's a little bit mind boggling to me, you know, like growing up. You know how we had TV and music and, you know, we had like these role models or these people who are celebrities to us. 
who are big on the Hollywood scene or whatever, it's a little bit maybe disconcerting is the word. Why is it disconcerting? That, that Anybody can get on sure. YouTube and become a role model. It's the democratization. I understand that. You're I'm saying about, it's disconcerting from it's my jerk. exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's like, the risk with all technologies, right? All technologies are a double edged. Because sword. you cannot police your children 24 hours a day. Oh yes, you can. I can. I you can't. To, I, I I can go there and tell her where she's been and see where she's. Yes, where she's you can do that. But I'm saying you can't. A, a computer, like a well, computer access, is different than, say, television access. Because, say, you allow your children to watch TV for a couple hours, you know which shows are on the air, you know who they might be watching, who they're not going to watch. You know, you can tell them, "Hey, don't watch South Park" or whatever the case may be. But you can't. And they'll listen, right? You can't control. Well, our child does. Our child is <laughs> not every, uh, not every, not all of them do. But, but I'm just saying, you can't. It's harder to control who they search for on YouTube. I That's a little bit harder to control. I, I I I I respect and understand where you're coming from. I just. I believe that these are these are no different. This is the same arguments that people when there was three channels over the or they came in over the wa- rabbit ears of your television. I bet you the parents of the '40s and '50s complained the same thing about television. Probably, um, you know, cable versus that, antenna cable or whatever. Yeah, along, I, every technology. Oh my gosh, my child can watch can HBO watch, late at night. Exactly, you know, <laughs> which let's face it, we did. Yes. Um. So my point is. Though the However, it's though the techn- still though the technology changes, the problems are still parenting problems. Yes, it doesn't, it doesn't obviate the need for parenting, and that's what people. Everyone gets scared about the new technology, failing to realize that while yes, it may make your job as a parent more difficult. Fundamentally, you're not doing anything more than or less than you should have been doing. Look, all I will say that thanks to technology, our child at ten knows every single curse word there is out there that and I didn't know that stuff at 10 I will say like I can remember like at 10 knowing maybe a few of the curse words right. I I don't think I knew the f word at 10 years old I hadn't I mean but then again like I honestly don't earlier, it's on the radio more that wasn't on the radio when we were kids either. No, no, curse words weren't on the radio so at it's all. It's not just the internet. However, it's the f words, not they do still bleep that out. Has changed. Yes, they do bleep that out and still. But you know, playing Minecraft and stuff like that. I mean, she's had to deal with things from the time she was like what four or five, six thing. years old. It's she learned these curse words at a very early age, but she's also learned not to say of them. Good parenting. Yes. She's so learned not to say them, even though she recognizes them. The so it's kind of a catch-22 because I kind of feel like in the sense, well, uh, you know, I guess it's just the back-in-the-day kind of thing. I just wasn't exposed to it. And was that a better thing or not? I don't the know. The thing is, I, if you watch HBO, there's no way for me to ever know. Whereas with the internet, I can go there and search your your search history and your browsing history and know exactly where you've been. That's true. And how long you've been there. So like, every, there's a double-edged sword to everything. And for every good and thing, there's going to be a, an equally bad. But again, at the end of the day, it's your job as the parent to keep them 
imbalance between it's just hard to watch every single youtube channel that your child views (laughs) that's why it's a full-time job there mom you know it's it honestly it is it's very hard to watch every single thing that they view (laughs) but here's the point at the end of the day things like twitch and the upcoming youtube version uh, or google youtube's launching a uh something like twitch which people don't know is where you can go watch people play 24 7 video games those things are dwarfing um the views of nfl major league baseball oh yeah i can i can understand that it's because of people like this guy who has 6.8 million and and it's followers whereas you have to be the pinnacle of physical fitness and let's face it there's only less than like was it less than one half of one percent of people you know, yes, whoever. you have to be. You got to be like very gifted half, to, be half, a, half, to be a athlete, athlete, or yes, anybody. I mean, there's people with handicaps like that. Yes, are that's true. That can be YouTube sensations and yep. video game stars. Yeah. So I think that's the appeal is that it is truly the, again, people don't like it. the technology is a democratizing thing. If used correctly, it can enable people that would have never had the, these options and abilities and opportunities otherwise. Okay. And I'm going to have the last word on that one. Yeah, that's fine. Boom. And All speaking right. of games and fun, uh, we play Magic, Magic the Gathering, right? Yes. We play that every now and then. Um, yes, we do. Well, Once in a while. We haven't played in we a while. We haven't played in but... a while, but that's because we're old too. Um, so a uh, young man who's a PhD student out at was at the University of Alabama uh, at Birmingham. Um, his name is Morgan. I'm going to butcher his last name. Reed Morgan. Oh, excuse me. Reed. Reed Morgan Millowitz. Um, again, a computer re- a science researcher and PhD student taught magic. Taught an artificial intelligence. A system to play Magic the Gathering. Hmm. And Probably only, better than me. <laughs> not only that, afterwards, it said, okay, you know how to play Magic the Gathering? Why don't you go ahead and create cards? So it's been oh. creating thousands of variants of cards that have never otherwise existed. Hmm. That's so interesting. So it's learned, like, okay, here's all these abilities, and here's this mix of skills, abilities, powers, and toughnesses, and all this, and it's gone out and created cards based on what it's learned. So here's my... My story wasn't so much the learning to play the game, which relatively speaking is a simple thing because anything that has a defined set of rules means it can be very easily algorithmed, which means it can be very easily programmed, even without artificial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you play it on your iPad. There's no artificial intelligence in that. Yeah. The, my point that what was really interesting to me about this story was the, the creative aspect of it. Now, not only is it playing – by the rules, it's now it's learned the rules enough to be able to create new cards that have never existed. Well, maybe the people the who uh, make Magic: The Gathering will so, uh, tap into that. And, and here's my and question: get, though. get some we of those cards he's creating. STEM versus Steam, adding the art into it because art is the defining human characteristic. Mm-hmm. Art being a very creative process. And we get we and we've seen robots, not very good, but robots have created like paintings. So here's my question. Maybe we're just wrong. Maybe in the end, robots, artificial intelligence really can do literally maybe is so my question is, is artistic expression really a defining characteristic of what it is to be human? 
if 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 a robot, an artificial intelligence. Well, I think to have true artistic expression, there has to be emotion put in it. And that's where I feel like the robots fail sometimes because they lack that that level of you know, they did they did, can't emote like a human can. I feel I mean I think almost all forms of art just have that level of you know it's either whether it's a lot or a little there's a little piece of somebody in that art. There's a piece of their raw emotion or their, you know, their raw being or fabric of who they are. And I think the computer misses that a little bit. I mean, to me, it's, it's very, like I said, I like the story, not because of the idea of playing. Yeah. I like the story. I just, you know, as to your question, I would still say that, you know, Art is it's, it's just a hu- a human form okay. of expression. So, let, so, so here's here. Not that robots can't create right. art; they can, but I think that true art has emotion put into it. All right. So here, so, feeling. So here's my here's follow me here with this. This is where I get really when I drink my pig leg. Okay. All right. So let's assume for a second that with, and this is, you're gonna, kind of like going on a tangent, but you'll see how I bring it back home in the end, right? Let's assume that there is alien life out there, right? Mm-hmm. And that there is life that is comparable to its development as we are mm-hmm. and has what we would, would call emotions and creativity, right? Mm-hmm. So my point is there's a par- parallel to humanity on planet Earth there is potential for another species on another planet to have developed in a similar way, right? Mm-hmm. So in other words, there is two there are two creatures in this universe, potentially more, that exhibit what we call human characteristics. Human characteristics. Okay. So then we would have to refine that as this is what it means to be alive or what it means to be you know self-conscious, right? Because if there's another if there's an alien species to look like, you know, don't look like us, but yet act like us, we would have to say it's not acting like a human. They're acting like what they are, but they share characteristics as us, right? Mm-hmm. So here's my question. If that is something that was created through natural selection over billions of years, here we are. If we could, if we create something that has comparable emotion reasoning in the lab, you know, so now you have this. Can you really Android. teach a computer like, emotion? Well, is it alive? And then at that point, if you've created something, but can you? I I don't know. But my I point don't is, think we, it can be done. But don't assume that I'm not trying to answer that question. What I'm asking is the philosophical of if we were to create. You're saying assume we can do it. Assume we can do it, and we do it. And we because here's my comparison: is that there's an alien life. Has emotion is creative. Yeah, I don't see what that, that has to do with anything. That, but the point is, if we can reason, okay, if we agree that my point is about being human. If we yeah. say there are other things in this universe that are not human that are like human, therefore there's more than one species. Could we create something? How would we how how would we would look at it? Would we say that it's life that we've created, but it's it is still life. It is it is now another species 
created by man, but now is its own. How would we treat that? I think we would still just call it like artificial life or something. I guess my question is when does it stop being artificial life and when does it just become a new species? When it evolves into what we are. And that's what I'm saying. What if we have created something that is exactly a, a, a electromechanical. See, I mean, I think you're giving me a chicken system. and an egg argument because I don't think we can do that. You're, you're, I just want to have. The I know I'm missing the point, right. but I'm saying I, in my mind, I can't get over that hump of, is it even possible for us to put emotions and feelings and things like that? Can a robot truly feel sadness? Uh, you know, sure, a robot can cry, but does it actually feel hurt? Right. But that goes back to my point of why and why I started with the question of an alien species. If we can imagine that something else developed that has Yeah, I mean, it's something else, yeah. Just because it was. But we didn't create that. But does it, it, it obfuscates the fact that humanity is unique. If something else develops in this universe. Maybe humanity is unique, but whatever else out there that is life has its own right. definition of so what then, their life is. So then, then, and maybe that's unique to them. What then my question is what makes humans unique then? If if there's other things that I would say our our their structure of us, our bone structure, so our genetic DNA, makeup, our we, we are bipedal, we are million, we have... Our brain function, you know, there's lots of different things I yeah. would put into defining human. It's deep. It makes me think, and it makes me drink. And with that, I need another pain <laughs> All right. So and I'm not saying that there couldn't be another species out in the universe or whatever that is alive, quote-unquote, in the way that we are, but I don't think they would define themselves as human. Because they would be different in some way. I just I'm trying to find that that this logical argument. That and I don't think we can put those human characteristics into artificial intelligence. I'm not sure myself. My question though is is don't for the per my my my, my interest though is is in the is in the higher level implications of that is assume you can do it so that you can have the higher level. So once we create a life. Look, this is a big thing about in the episode of Star Trek. But why generation. just assume you can do it? Because that's because that's what that's I have fun- issue getting over is that I don't think it's possible to put because that's not the fun part. A level of emotion into a robot. I just don't think you can. Arguments. I just don't think you can. You never saw Star Trek Next Generation, <laughs> did you? That's my point. I just there don't was, think there was an episode. you can. I think robots can smile and cry and they can act like they have feelings, but I don't know that they can truly feel. And I'm not sure they can truly express emotion. I I I understand where the technology so that's that's where I'm my hang up is with the measure assuming of a man. we can do it. I just don't I I don't come to that assumption. The measure of a man. If you haven't seen that, it was the ninth episode of season two of Star Trek: Next Generation. So anyway, um, for you, so you know, so the synopsis is um, 
Data is an android, right? Mm-hmm. He, which he was yeah, created I've by seen a guy Data, named Dr. Khan Union Soon. Um, he's a Starfleet officer, though, too. Yes. He has his own. He has his own quarters, just like every other crew member. Yeah, he acts like he's a, a lieutenant human. commander. Yeah. He holds rank. He's got right. Um, but he has a switch that he can be turned off by, right? Yes. So the question, though, was is Starfleet, which is like the, the the organization they all work for, said, "Oh, we've got a great idea." Wouldn't it be great if data is so great? We don't. But he disagree. has a switch; it can be turned off. If somebody can truly control you, are you human? Well, I can take a well. I can take a gun to you and shoot you in the head, and you're dead, and you're technically off. <laughs> right? That's different, though. That kills you. Well, turning you off I doesn't gi- kill give you. Turning you off doesn't blow the robot up to I make can, it unusable. I can. I can put. It would. You would have to make it unusable out. at all to. Give that same analogy. Okay, you're missing the point. You're derailing <laughs> me here. So the point was, Starfleet wanted to make um, Data was a one-off. Well, actually, later seasons we found out he had a brother named Lore. Points missing the point. Point is, I'm now derailing there myself. Oh boy, he's got a brother, um, huh? That the argument was, well, robots. So if he has a brother, Data, he must have a mother. <laughs> right? No, actually. Anyway, Data is a property of Starfleet. Therefore, we can take him apart. I'll reverse engineer him and then be able to build datas for every ship in Starfleet. So every ship would benefit. Um, so that was the decisions that Starfleet said, okay, data, turn, turn yourself over to these researchers. We're going to disassemble you. Um, the problem was that there was a chance because he's such an advanced creature uh, and our skills weren't that good that by playing around with data's brain, we could actually destroy data. Mm-hmm. Starfleet made the decision that was a worthwhile risk Um you know, having no data is having a data on every ship would be worth the risk of having no data at all, just on the enterprise. Um, there was this big drama. There's a court hearing about it. See, and that's uh, another thing. I don't think you could ever justify taking a human life to better the lives of somebody else. Right. So what was the ending part? Um, I mean, that, that right there screams inhuman. So anyway, here's 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 the thing I want. Here's the so Captain Picard, uh, Patrick Stewart, as always, delivering beautiful, um, elegant poetry of our time. Um, here's his closing argument: of why data shouldn't be data is not property. He's a member of the crew. Blah blah blah. So he's, I'll try to do my best, Captain Picard. Ready? Uh, Commander Riker has dramatically demonstrated to this court that Lieutenant Commander Data is a machine. Do we deny that? No, because it is not relevant. We too are machines, just machines of a different type. Commander Rikers also reminded us that Lieutenant Commander Data was created by a man. Do we deny that? No. Again, it is not relevant. Children are created by their building blocks of their parents' DNA. Are they property? Picard asked rhetorically. So, boom, that was the arguments of saying, just because you were created, just because... Well, children are treated as property of a type until they're like 18. And if they like, run away, the police are going to bring them back to you. In your face, Picard. I'm just saying, you know, if your child runs away, the police is going to bring it back to you. I You're not going to say, well, hey, right. I guess you wanted to run away because your parents are so awful. Go have at it. I just was, I thought the, 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 we too are machines. That at the end of the day. Yes, I mean, I we agree. We are machines. We are biological in nature. But Starfleet, and it goes on the point about he gets he gets really talked about. You know, Starfleet was 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 empowered. But you just said to they go dis- seek out they, new life and new Why did he say all that? Sits. Why did he say all that? But yet decide to attempt to build one for every 
ship. No, and Picard was against it. Picard oh, against okay. It. I was going to say, I would be against it, too. Right. Because Captain Picard was against it all from the beginning. If they fact, feel like he's so human, then you can't, right. you yeah. can't no, justify... So Picard, you right. can't justify taking a life right. for somebody else's. Right. So the main, the, the 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 main cast of characters were against it. The people that were on start, the, the actual okay. main characters were against it. It was the it was the it was the guest stars of the week who played you know like a visiting ad. Oh, they wanted like, okay. They were, the they were saying he's just right. the machine. I got you. I got you. Picard and Riker were against. Okay. It. Anyway, that is enough geekum for a day. Yeah, that's enough. That's I think. Enough. <laughs> um, so it's a very rhetorical very question. Very rhetorical, very deep. Hopefully, leave us your thoughts. If we created an, a, another life form that, you know, we, we've seen here that with this, this magic story that, you know, AI created cards. But all that said, I, don't, I wouldn't consider data human. So here's the question is, what, what does it take to be human? And can we create something that is comparable? Assume we can, that is comparable, has emotions, is creative. Um, how do you think that, how would that go? What would, what would the outcome of that be in our society? What would the impact be? Let us know your thoughts. We know your thoughts. Yes. <laughs> I just can't get past the whole, I'm not sure we can truly create emotion. Oh, I'm going to, gosh, I have to end with it. Um, yeah, so Picard ended with, are you prepared to condemn him and all who come in after him to servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. That was, it was, when, when Patrick Stewart does it, it's so much better. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> so with that, uh, thank you. Uh, I'll guess uh, steampowerpodcast.com uh, where you can get links to everything else we do throughout the week. We share notes. I should sign you up for it so that you can post to the website too. <laughs> yeah, you sign me up for it. That would be just great. So that you can post stories <laughs> to the feed. Yeah. Um, I'm just the lady that works here. You're just, you're just a boss. <laughs> um, again, you I have nothing to do with it. Links no. to everything else we do. Um, so with that, is there anything else, any closing thoughts you want to leave us with? I think we've been left with enough this week. All right, week. thank you. Um, oh, what's the story for what's, what are we going to call this episode? It's got to be something with the last thing with data and the robots. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Artificial intelligence. Anyway, so with that, thank you all very, very. Let me get my mouse here. Uh, yeah, very much for watching and listening. Um, and I guess until next two weeks from now, till the nineteenth ish. Ish. Make ish. Make ish. Yeah. Yeah. Pending. On what we're doing. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Um, thank you all very much for listening and watching. And until next time, stay quirky. And, and keep it steamy. Thanks for watching. Bye.